0: It was April of 2021 when I got a call from a dear friend, and I was looking so forward to sitting down in a chair and having a good catching up time. That's what I thought the call was for. I was very, very surprised when my friend said to me, Francie, I was calling to let you know that I've been diagnosed with cancer. You know, there are some rough days in life, and then there are some off-script seasons when things are very different than what we had planned. In fact, my guest today, sister friend Valerie Clear, said this, it's not just off script. It's like life has become a whole new library and you're browsing in the aisle you had never imagined. I believe that this episode, Lessons from an Unexpected Diagnosis, will be so helpful to people who have either received a diagnosis that was very unexpected or those who have family members or loved ones that are going through this journey. Thank you for joining Keep the Heart for today's podcast with Francie Taylor. Francie is an author, conference speaker, and teacher. She is passionate about teaching what to do with what we learn from God's Word. Now back to today's valuable study. Valerie, please introduce yourself to the listeners.
1: Hi, Francie. Yes, I've been married here for 38 years, coming up at the end of March on the 31st. I've been married to Dave Clear, and we've actually been at the same church in Rosemont, Minnesota, for 35 of those years. And he's been the associate pastor and now the senior pastor for the past 20 years. So I've been a pastor's wife. I'm a mother of two children who are grown, and our son Jonathan just became a pastor up in Michigan, and he and his wife Lacey have two daughters, and I have another daughter, Cindy, who lives close by us in Minnesota. So we are excitedly
0: going through these midlife years. I can't have anyone in my home without wanting to do a podcast with them, so I've asked Valerie if we could do an episode about her cancer journey and what to do spiritually when life takes such a dramatic turn you'll find that her insights apply to many areas of life, regardless of the trial. We're going to cover this in five simple points, and they're really meant to be something to help anybody in whatever it is that's happened in your life that's gone off script. But point number one, change is part of life. Proverbs 20 verse 24 tells us this, man's goings are of the Lord. How can a man then understand his own way? Valerie now that you face this fiery blast of change, what would you suggest for handling the initial shock?
1: I would definitely say it was a shock. Anyone who has received that kind of news finds themselves in a strange bubble. It's a numb, a mm. state of numbness. But after telling my husband and my mom, I found myself a good few trusted friends. I would say secure a few trusted inner circle friends that you can rely on for prayer and someone who will help you along this journey. And I would say also make sure that you secure a very good medical team that you definitely are comfortable with. I've actually heard of some people who feel like they are just stuck with the initial doctor that they were given. And they don't realize that they have a full right to get a second opinion on anything that they need. Very good. And I would also say, be careful about the amount of information that you allow in from everyone. There is so much information, and there are so many different variables and factors that come into this. And this is a very unique journey that you are going to be on And so you do not have to feel like you have to take advice from every single person who comes along as well-meaning as they may be. This is something that is up to you and your family and your trusted inner circle of friends. You
0: know, Valerie, that is so rich and helpful because people often want to help, so they rush in to the rescue and you may not have called them. So we do have to sift it like wheat and be very careful that we're not overwhelmed with too much advice. And I would tailgate even on your idea, and you might be bringing this up later, but we probably need to even be careful about how much Googling we do. Would you say that's true? (laughs) I would say I'm the Google master. (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh,
1: dear. Although I have to tell you, when I heard this diagnosis, I had stage three, grade three breast cancer, Mm. and I was not interested in hearing the morbid statistics at that time because Mm. I was in a fight now for my life and I needed to hear the good reports and I I did not
0: need to have all kinds of negative things coming across my pathway. You know, Valerie, that is so helpful. You know, I noticed that you had habits along the way because you and I had phone conversations and I was not hearing a downhearted woman. That's not to say you didn't have days or moments that were hard, But what spiritual habits are helping you through this journey? And I say are helping you because you're not done with treatments yet, are you?
1: No, I'm not done with treatments, and I can speak to that here in just a moment. But we hear it all the time, Bible and prayer. But I'm telling you, Francie, it doesn't matter what we know if we don't do it. Exactly. We all have heard it our whole lives, but it really is our lifeline. And I will tell you also that I picked up journaling more so One of the things that I put at the very beginning was a verse, Isaiah 61 in verse 3, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And that became my theme through this journey I really, truly wanted the Lord to be glorified. But I also would say that just looking for God in everyday situations was a great big help for me. He is everywhere, you know, Francie. If we'll just open up our eyes, we don't even have to look very far to realize He's there. He's a still, small voice. Mm -hmm. We just have to quiet our hearts
0: down. We have to quiet our lives down and listen and look, Mm -hmm. and He's there. Oh, that is excellent. I think we tend to forget that First Corinthians 6.20 says, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We tend to get imbalanced. Sometimes we're focusing all on the spirit, not the body. Sometimes we're focusing too much on the body, not the spirit. What would you say you're doing for your habits in both areas? We started studying into the
1: whole area of health here and realizing how nutrition, our stress reduction, proper rest, exercise, and there's even more aspects to it. But those four things especially, our main pillars, one of those can be broken down and the whole structure can still stay standing. But if you start chipping away at all four of those pillars, mm. pretty soon our health, your health is going to start breaking down. And I found as I looked back onto these, um, all of those things were greatly lacking in my life. And so it was no doubt that I was going to be getting sick. And I really feel like God was kind of tapping me on the shoulder and saying, Valerie, you know, it's about time here that you start paying a little bit closer attention. So I was able to come up with a health coach who has been able to help me in a lot of areas here with the nutritional side of things. I will have to say, when this first was diagnosed and I first got on this new journey, I was probably like the crazy lady. And I really, really went very, very strict. Um, Mm. And I think I maybe needed to at that point.
0: In the beginning.
1: But the Lord has helped me to balance things out with a good, wholesome, whole foods kind of a diet and just learning how to let things go that would have really stressed me out before and Mm -hmm. carrying loads and burdens that I really didn't need to be carrying before I was not getting proper rest, I was burning the midnight oil, I was not properly exercising, and of course, all of those things just work together. It was really amazing to me to realize how our body and our spirit works together. If our physical body is broken down, it is harder for our soul and our spiritual health to stay healthy. The Bible even says that a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. If our soul is always downcast, it literally dries our bones. The Bible says so. To realize that these things all are so interconnected Mm -hmm. was a real, real interesting thing of studying. And I have not arrived by any means. I am still learning this. This is a real journey that we're on here. But the idea of getting proper rest and exercise and learning not to stress and to worry. I found that I was so worried about my nutrition one day that everything that I was doing nutritionally was probably being undone by the stress I was putting on myself to eat so properly that I actually was probably becoming counterproductive with that. Who would
0: even think of that, too, that you actually could take your good habits so far that it suddenly turns on you and becomes an unconstructive habit. What would you say? I didn't want to call it a bad habit. Did you sense my hesitation? <laughs> I didn't want to use the word bad. But the truth of the matter is when we do go too far with something and we become almost fanatical about it, we do raise our stress levels. Yes.
1: Yes. And it's that fight or flight and the cortisol mm-hmm. levels that get built up in our bodies. Mm-hmm. I'm not a medical person by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I will tell you, you can feel inside of you when, yes, you when that that when those levels start raising up. Exactly. And so learning how to let go and breathe and relax those parts of our bodies, and, and that's all part of it. It's very, very important. And ladies, don't go riding on high octane all day long and at the highest decibel levels of life and expect that it's just going to keep pinging along. It's not going to. Eventually, it will break down.
0: That is such good counsel. And actually, for all of us, I'm listening to you, and I'm thinking, this is for you too, Francie, because you know I'm a driver type A kind of a personality. But I noticed that you mentioned the rest as key. And I think that we find cheat areas, you know, like people have cheat days in their diet, I think we get these cheat areas in our minds like, I can cheat a little bit on that sleep thing. I can get by with it. But the truth of the matter is the way God designed us, he designed us to need rest. And so we're actually trying to cheat a design that's not going to work, is it?
1: I will tell you that in some of my studies here, I've learned that if you stay awake, From 10 p.m. to about 2 a.m. that it might have some indication perhaps on your liver function and your actual bodily functions. And then if you're awake with insomnia from 2 a.m. until perhaps 6 a.m., it could very easily be an emotionally based reason for why you're having insomnia. So I'm not giving that a broad brush at all, but in just in my studies, it does seem that the first half of the night is physically related. The second half of the night is emotionally related. So as you're going through your prayer times and looking at things, perhaps you might want to take a look at what you're eating if you can't get to sleep at the first half of the night, or you might want to take a look at... What is bothering my mind the
0: second half of the night? Oh, you just made a commercial for being careful what we allow into our eye gates. I'm telling you, Valerie, that is spot on if we had no researchers. Because if the last thing that went into our eyes, heart, and mind before bedtime was somehow upsetting, disturbing, Mm -hmm. agitating. For example, right now we know that one of the biggest things in the news is the war over in Europe if I digest that before bedtime, I should expect that I'm going to have disturbed sleep. Because frankly, I set the timer for it, right? Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why
1: it's a good idea to turn that technology off, maybe an hour or so, get a good bedtime routine set up where you, your body can just quietly start to settle down and I realize if you've got little children or you're a shift worker, that's not always an easy thing, but ask the Lord for wisdom and how he can help you to be able to make little changes. And that's another thing that I'm learning, a little step, take a 1% step in all of these different areas and pretty soon those 1% start building up and pretty soon you'll look back and you'll say, wow, I've come 30%, I've come 40% of the way. We're never going to make it 100% because not until we get to heaven. Right. But we can make progress, and I believe the Lord wants us to. It's a journey. It's a step-by-step, little-by-little.
0: Valerie, it's really good what you just said, but what I'm hearing underneath what you said is, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. In other words, I'm hearing you say, not all bad things are bad for us. I would absolutely
1: agree I have thought over and over and over of Job through this journey. And of course, God's purpose is so much bigger than ours is. But Job said, The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We view so many times these trials that have come into our lives as bad, but God's purpose is so much greater than our little sphere that we live in. And we don't realize that sometimes it does take some bad things to help us. Well, how many of us go to the gym and we like to lift weights and like, I mean, some people like that. Do
0: you like that? I'm not going to say I like that (laughs) because we're not supposed to be lying. We're supposed to be helping. Exactly.
1: (laughs) But the point is that we don't like to go through uncomfortable situations. But how are you going to get strong if you don't lift any weights? Exactly. And and I'm not asking for them, but the Lord sometimes sees that we
0: need them. This is so helpful, Valerie. Valerie. I am thinking of, of additional questions designed to help people who are going through something that is off script, and it doesn't have to be just cancer. It could be anything. But in this particular case, these are words from a cancer patient, and I think it will really help those who have suddenly been blasted with a diagnosis like that. But regardless of your diagnosis, you're going to find these answers very helpful. But when you're in full-time ministry and you become ill, It's just not in our DNA. It's not in our beings to be off duty. We just don't even know how to stop. After all, the Bible does tell us in Psalm 100, verse 2, to serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. Valerie, you were the church accompanist when you got your diagnosis, plus so much more. What do you do about ministry duties when you get something like this for a diagnosis?
1: And that's a very broad question. Yes. I will have to say that you need to certainly go through your husband if you happen to be married. If you are involved in ministries, get your pastor on board with you and find out if there are other people that can help take over for you if you need some time off. I certainly can't give just a broad brush statement, it's very individualized there on that. But I do know that we should take the guilt trip off of ourselves regardless, because as women, we're pretty good at piling and heaping the guilt on ourselves. We sometimes are very good at getting a Messiah complex and thinking that the whole ministry is resting on our shoulders, and Uh if we don't do it, it's just not going to get done. And I'm not trying to Make an out for shirking responsibilities by any means. But if you are terminally ill or you have got a very severe type of a sickness, you really do need to stop and put yourself in a healing position. You'll be so much better off if you are able to go home, get well, and then be used. God can certainly use broken vessels, and we are all broken vessels. Yes, we are. But yet, He will also allow for us to go home and spend some time and get well. So Valerie, would you say you had to take some time, take a step back? The chemotherapy did not make me nearly as sick as what some people have been in the past. So I actually only took a couple of weeks off of the piano, Mm -hmm. and I was able to get back into it in the Lord's grace and mercy. I'm just so grateful to him for that. I don't know what is in the future for me, Perhaps I'll have to take more time off. And thank the Lord we do have options at our church if I'm not there. And some have to maybe go out, and you have to find some soundtracks to use or somebody that can play a guitar, whatever it is. There's so many friends that will come up to you during this time and probably say, whatever it is that you need, let me know. I hope they mean that. We don't like to ask if we don't have to. But there may be some times where you really do need to call them up on the phone and don't worry about it and say, I really do need your help. They offered, so go ahead and ask. Don't feel guilty about that.
0: That is so good. And for anyone listening who's terrible at asking for help, you just heard it here. We have to set that aside and we have to get out of our comfort zone because we're already dealing with enough. So it might make you feel better not to ask for help. But will it help you to not ask for help? There's where we have to be realistic. I just so appreciate this feedback from Valerie. Number four out of five, it's not uncommon for health challenges to put extreme stress on marriage. Now we're talking about a marriage point here. It's still gonna help those who have extreme stress in any area. But Ephesians 5.33 in particular says, nevertheless, let every one of you In particular, so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Now, when life goes off script, a lot of times, principles that we know, we stop doing because we're in crisis mode. We know that all couples are unique. But Valerie, how did you and Pastor Clear handle this really dramatic news as a couple?
1: The very first thing that we did was hug each other and oh, cry. Oh. <laughs> of course you would. Yeah. And I think that it's important for the person who's going through a very difficult time to realize that their spouse has also got a major, mm. major life-altering situation in front of them. Mm. They're also looking at it uh, financially in the future. What if the Lord takes my spouse home early? Mm -hmm. And if you have a husband, perhaps they will keep that quieter. For me, I'll just blurt it right out and tell my fears. My husband will not do that. He Mm. does not do that. He tries to be the rock for me. And um, Mm. I will tell you, though, that I've had a few little door glimpses that this has not been so easy for him I have found that it was helpful for me not to just always bemoan my woes to him every single day. Mm. As much as possible, try and maintain as much
0: normalcy as possible. Valerie, you are like a walking Bible. Sometimes some of the things you say immediately make a verse fly up into my mind. And I'm thinking that that sounds like Philippians 2, where we're not supposed to look only on our own things, but also on the things of others. So what I think I hear you saying is that, yes, you got the cancer diagnosis, but likewise, your husband got the cancer diagnosis.
1: He did. And our family members, we need to be very patient with them and realize that not every single person is going to react the same way we did. And they have to go through a process of finding out what God has for them and perhaps Mm. grief, whatever it is, the process that they're going through. But it's is—it's very real and it's very scary.
0: Yes, it can be. I remember when Norm was going through his cancer treatments, there would be some nights where we couldn't get him comfortable. And the hyper focus at that point in my life became, make Norman have a better world, make his whole existence as comfortable as possible. And by focusing on helping him that way, and the Lord really helped me help him because I wouldn't have had that kind of a depth of strength. But by by just keeping my focus on trying to be the servant wife, it made such a difference. And it actually sweetened our relationship in such an unusual way sometimes we weren't thinking about cancer sometimes we would just be sitting slumped over on each other laughing and talking about some of anything or, or or nothing but we knew that it was the grace of God that gave us those moments of quiet but likewise we also knew that God would walk us through the times when things were very uncomfortable And we both had to focus on making sure we were watching out for each other. Mm -hmm. I became a caregiver. He became a very sick man. You all had the reverse. Your husband had some caregiving roles, I'm sure, in there. And you were at one point extremely ill. When we found this out, of course, we just were
1: devastated together. Yeah, And we hugged each other, held on to each other, cried and prayed. And I'm grateful for a godly husband who will do that with me. We were able to set up an office at home where he was able to study and work from there a little bit more. It ended up that I was not overly sick from the chemo, so life was able to continue. However, I will say that There's a lot of people who do not have that same option out there as what we went through. And we don't know what the future holds, as I said
0: already before. Well, Valerie, this has been such a helpful discussion in wrapping it up. Life doesn't come with a trouble-free guarantee. Job made this observation in Job 5.7, Yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. How would you suggest that people manage their expectations for having something hard enter into their lives? That's a good
1: question, Francie. From the very beginning, we tried to always look that God's purpose is so much bigger than us right here, Mm. realizing that we cannot grow without that resistance and that fire. I think I even mentioned this earlier. Yes. But our expectations are that God does not really owe us this perfect life without any kind of problems. Our greatest growth really does come when that fire gets a little bit hotter. Uh, The afflictions, it is good for me that I've been afflicted. So don't expect that we are going to grow
0: without having some trials. You know, Valerie, we almost have a tendency to get ideas that we're not supposed to have trials, which is actually not biblical in thinking. But we can tell we're thinking like that if we ever have the thought, why me? I used to hear it said when I was in college, Mrs. Evans, she would say, why not me? And there's where we get hung up. We would like it to not be us, but we wouldn't want it to actually happen to anyone, would we?
1: Of course not. We'd never want it to happen to anyone One of the things that happens when we go through a trial, though, is it helps you to become aware of other people who are going through a difficult time in a whole new way. When my dad got cancer, he just said, you know, I suppose at some point we're all going to have something bad happen to us. I remember looking at my little diffuser and I was watching the vapor come out Mm -hmm. and I was watching the short vapors. And then I was watching the long vapors, and it was mesmerizing to me. And I was picturing those short ones being just a few years and the tall ones being 90 years. And I realized life is a vapor. Our expectations are that we are going to all leave this life someday. And so to have any other expectation is a wrong kind of an expectation. And the whole purpose God wants us is to glorify him, and he will lovingly send into our lives what we need as we are humble towards the Lord and allow him to do
0: his work in our lives. And I think it helps us to remember we have to sometimes take a hard look at what is it we're telling ourselves. If we're telling ourselves, I don't deserve to be sick, I didn't do anything wrong, We need to take a step back from that kind of thinking. If we're looking at it as God's been unfair to me, I've checked off all the boxes in my life. Once again, we need to take a step back. We need to understand that in this life, everyone has a birthday and everyone has a death day. We don't know the death day, but we do know our birthdays quite well. But we seem to want to have no death day.
1: Absolutely. I can hear you there. When your mortality is slapped Uh up in front of your face like a brick wall, and all of a sudden you realize this is not, this life is not forever. And my days, I'm going to be 59, I'm going to be 60 years old coming up here actually on my next birthday. Uh Uh-oh, that's a big Uh, one. That's a big one. I know I just told my age, didn't I? Even if all of these cancer treatments work, Francie, I still only have maybe 15 or 20 years left. That's not very much.
0: And that's what scripture tells us.
1: Absolutely. Our life is a vapor.
0: If we're thinking only about ourselves and our own longevity and the plans that we had and that we don't want to have a trial and I didn't order this, send it back. You know, if we're thinking like that, we're going to miss some of the beauty that God weaves into these hard times, because it's strange, isn't it? But he weaves beauty in there, doesn't he?
1: It is so beautiful. And just like that verse that we said at the beginning here, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Mm. And I love that because one of the things that i have tried to do is to be grateful and the lord has convicted my heart through this realizing how ungrateful i've actually been in my life Uh -uh. and i have realized so many things my eyes can still read the papers my ears can still hear sounds to God be the glory. We take so many things for granted. Yeah. My tongue can still taste good food. God is still so merciful and loving in his loving kindness. And he lets us get back up. We fall down. He lets us get right back up and try it again. And I think that, that at the end of the day, he is so glorified when we will be so
0: grateful. Oh, there you just said a powerful statement. Gratitude is going to make a difference in how we walk forward in these things, isn't it?
1: Yes. And I would tell you, if you could make it a habit in the morning, as soon as you wake up, tell the Lord instead of, oh, I don't want to get out of bed right now, change that over to God. Thank you. And come up with three, four, five things immediately. The first thing that comes out of your mouth Tell God what you're grateful for and have different times. You might have to set an alarm on your phone, a grateful gratitude alarm. But I have been so, so impressed on the importance. God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And he is so glorified when we're grateful.
0: This is so rich, Valerie. Thank you for sharing your cancer journey with the listeners Valerie, how about if we close with 1 Peter 5.10 as a verse that reminds us of how God uses these off-script moments to improve our lives.
1: But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you.
0: You've been listening to Keep the Heart with Francie Taylor. Subscribe to this podcast and be sure to follow Keep the Heart on Instagram. For more from Francie, visit keeptheheart.com for devotionals, books, Bible studies, and more. Visit keeptheheart.com today. Thank you for listening.